0: We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nehami, founder of Carmala Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and We Are Women. Tonight's episode features singer, songwriter, and performer, Hanala Felic Haral. I met Hanala a few years ago when she came to Detroit for a performance that I produced. Hanala and I actually spent the day together. We went to the mall, and apparently I was the one who got her to buy her first lipstick, as you'll hear her mention during our conversation. And we had a great discussion here, ranging from how she got started in music, what the songwriting and composition process is like, how she learned the ropes, some of the different challenges she went through. Hanala also shared challenges she faces as a musician, you know, not the not so glamorous and heavier stuff that can often come with being a true artist and musician. And of course, we discussed the different aspects, the pros and cons of social media. As you all know, Hanala is an active Instagram entertainer, and I knew she'd have a lot to contribute regarding social media boundaries and her take on Instagram in general. Listen in for entertainment, inspiration, and some things to think about. I was born Hanala. I will
1: always be Hanala. Over the years, people have asked me if I'm going to change my name to Hana. So I was named after the mother of Samuel the prophet, a very spiritual woman, a very holy woman in the Jewish history and the Torah. And it's a strong name, but my parents were descendants of the Holocaust on one side and Russian immigrants on the other side. And you just added a let to all the Jewish names. So it should be affectionate. Like in Spanish, how do you add like... uh, you know, when you call somebody, oh, Sita, you would say Estosita. It's like an affectionate way. So in the Jewish language, adding a le, you make Hana, chana le, Rachel, Rachel sara, Sarah, Sarah le. So we were all les in our house. So when I started singing, um, I think I hesitated for one second if I should just go with the Hana because it's like a little babyish and I never, you know, grew out of it. And then I was like, no, this is who I am. And now I'll tell you who I am. <laughs> So um, I'm the oldest child of seven. I grew up in a paradoxical world where on the one hand, we lived in Miami Beach and Miami Beach is Florida and bathing suits and sunscreen and swimming and pizza and birthday parties and palm trees and Disney World. On the other hand, both of my parents were raised in Chabad homes. and. We kind of, until the the Lubavitcher Rebbe passed away, until the Chabad Rebbe passed away, um, we my parents were pretty intensely devout to Hasidicism, we'll call it, or Hasidicism. Um, but after the Rebbe passed away, life became more challenging for much of the Jewish world. So I, you know, Struggled with the same things that all thirteen-year-olds were struggling with, in you know before cell phones, Um, before cell phones, not just smartphones. And I left home early, and I say early because by thirteen I was ready. I already left home like for my life. Now I could tell you like a million places I've been, but just to keep it short when you leave home at 13, it gives you a lot of space for independence. And I think that's one of the reasons that I started developing a music um, passion for creating music, listening to music, playing music, writing it, singing it, eventually performing it. And my life has taken a lot of very interesting twists and turns um, because of this musical choice. So that's basically who I am in a nutshell. Like I said, I'm the oldest, I'm married, I have four children. I'm a working musician, I have a recording studio, I have a busy Instagram life, you know? (laughs) And I live in Israel, so I'm an interesting person.
0: (laughs) You definitely are. (laughs) So wait, so you left home at 13, you said? Yeah. So to go to school, like to boarding school?
1: It wasn't, I mean, it kind of felt like boarding school because my aunt had 14 children and she was very strict, (laughs) exactly. And it was in Canada where it was freezing. So I used to go to the mall a lot because in Canada, I used to go indoors in the middle of the winter and I used to buy CDs like in the CD store. And I was with all these cool rockers and, you know, my aunt didn't even want secular music in her house. And here I was like being Educated about music, being high, you know, someone handed me the record. Man would be like Simon and garfinkel I would listen to Simon and Garfunkel for a month, then I'd come back and he'd give me ABBA, or or Def Leppard, Bon Jovi. um What else was I listening to? But this is even before that, Boston and 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 um I don't know, just it's slipping my mind now. But all the rock and roll greats, Aerosmith and Guns and Roses and Brian Adams and of course Mariah Carey and Amy Grant. And so I was like listening intensely on headphones just like these to cds and those were my escape those were where i could just be in my zone and i listened to a lot of music and that also had a lot of influence on who i am today and my life
0: wow so were you listening to these just just to be in your own world and like because you enjoy it or because your goal was to become a singer so you wanted to prepare yourself so my goal
1: was never to become a singer i grew up self-conscious um, amazingly enough, even though I'm fairly com- like confident, um, I had the same insecurities as any teenager. I wasn't like this blonde, skinny beauty. Um, I did know that I had stage presence. I did not know that I caught people's attention and I did know that I wanted to be heard. <laughs> so when you throw in like the fact that I grew up from a musical family and um, we were always singing and everyone used to tell me, you have a pretty voice, like music obviously I was drawn to music. So the thing is, when you listen to a lot of it, like I did, it changes the way you think. Right. So, you know,
0: yeah. So how did you get into the music industry then? Okay. First of all, there's no industry. That's a myth. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: it kind of just happened by accident. I went into the guitar store I was see, my life has has so many parts. Like I need to kind of give you like a precedent what was going on be from 13 to when right. I started with music. Go ahead, yeah. So I was in high school 13, 14, 15. Um, 16, I was already living, I was already in Israel in Kfar Chabad, in a Jewish girls um seminary where you teach, you know, all kinds of studies that prepare young women to become teachers. And I had a guitar. I had taken some guitar lessons when I was a kid and I obviously could sing and I started playing more. And I realized that not everyone could play guitar and sing. And the girls appreciated it in the dorm and I ended up being the choir head. So I was in Israel, exactly. And then after Israel, I came back to New York. In New York, I was kind of a young single girl, still kind of fresh into the world. And I got an offer to go to Hawaii for six months and homeschool the Chabad Rabbi's children. And of course, I was like, Hawaii, six months, all expenses paid? <laughs> yes. Got on the first plane, landed in Hawaii. Amor Hanala. Hello. I'm, I'm a teacher. I even have certification from Israel. So I come to Hawaii and I have this amazing experience. And then after six months, I start getting itchy because I feel like, you no, know, I need to be heard. And I'm in Hawaii. Like, I need to get back to New York and like make my mark. Um, I actually ended up going home to my parents' house where I hadn't actually lived for a few years. And I lived home for two years and I was a preschool teacher and then I was a teacher of first grade Hebrew studies, which was a great experience. In the classroom, I used my guitar and the teachers who are on the other side of the first grade classroom, there was an office, I guess the teacher's office, when I used to play for the first graders, all the teachers would stop what they were doing and be like, Hannah oh, was playing. <laughs> like, listen by the wall. So and yeah, and everyone should tell me, it's so wonderful that you, could, that you could sing for your students. So, what I ended up doing, I'm remembering this now, is I used music in my curriculum and I had to record myself to like sing all these little first grade songs and play piano, whatever. And that's how I kind of started buying what I needed to do that. And there, right now in the world, maybe 30 kids who have a CD that says, you know, uh, Maura more, more uh Bible class, Chumash class. <laughs> and it has me singing all the psukim A to Z.
0: That is so <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, So I, you know, it kind of like snowballed and my career was long. Like, I didn't even get to how I actually started recording music. I'm not sure yeah, if yeah, that's the ahead. direction. Yeah, okay. i that. So I, um, started recording music in my parents' house. And it was it was great. I started writing songs and I got a keyboard and I upgraded my gear slowly but surely. And then lo and behold, I was like, hey, I could really record stuff and people couldn't really hear it. Now this was before the internet. The only way to hear music was to buy a CD and to listen to it. My first recording was printed onto cassettes Wow. I have the cassette, okay? <laughs> I'm not that old. It was pre- pretty much the last time cassettes were printed, but I just made the cut. <laughs> so, so I started recording and I used to give people my actual CD and they used to listen to it. And before I knew it, people were making copies and like there was a little bit of a buzz. Like, oh, Hanala songs are so fun. Like, ooh, love this. Um, And it prompted me to like work a little harder on the recordings and spend a little more on my studio's. Stuff, whatever. But don't forget, I'm a single Jewish girl. I'm like 19 years old. And my parents are like, Shiddach, 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 we need to marry you off. There is a young man waiting for your attention. So I moved to New York. So basically, I'm living in my parents' house and then I moved to New York. And when I moved to New York, everything in my life changes again. Okay. So I was in Hawaii, I was in Israel, I was in my aunt's house in Canada. I was in. Now I'm in New York, in the big city, right? So I come to New York, and I have to subsidize my life there, even though my rent was three hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. Um, but wow. <laughs> yeah, so I start working at OK Labs, OK Certification, and that's where all the Jewish girls work. It's a kosher certification company. They need secretaries. I was a rabbi secretary. I used to arrange his trips to China, so he can do you know kosher checks. Um, And at the same time, I'm getting my recording a little more set up. So I get a proper computer and proper keyboard. And after work, I just attempt to really record something. And I recorded Chavez Queen and I recorded The City Streets Will Fill. And I recorded every song on the first Believer album. Now between me and you, and I have to admit this, I cringe when I hear those recordings because I've come such a long way musically, and they are so full of problems. But my life was moving quickly. And I knew that if I would obsess and not just put it out the way it was with my budget and with, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get out there. And now I'm glad I did, because I would have, you know, now I, my songs were heard regardless. Right. So Those started, started you off.
0: That
1: yeah. So I started recording um, more seriously. And then like, it was 9 and then I got a, an offer to work in Manhattan and I went to work in the Diamond District and I got a much better salary. And at the same time, I started accepting travel jobs to go sing. Now, in those days, there wasn't Zoom, there wasn't FaceTime, like the world was much, much slower. And if you wanted to be entertained, you had to bring someone. So I was traveling non-stop. There was no... You have to understand, there was no Nechama Cohen, Shane Lantellis, Francisca, Dobby, Devorah Schwartz, Bracha. I mean, Bracha was around, but she was even then, when I first started, there was Malki Ginniger and Kinneret.
0: And that's it. You were like the original, you Malki Ginniger and Kinneret. You got, you. all three of you were the originals.
1: They, They were really professional singers. I wasn't a professional singer. I was like, I'm in it to get these songs recorded and get them heard. And, you know, whatever, hopefully my, the girls will forgive me that it's not like as professional as Britney Spears, but whatever, you know? So, and with each, each album, I don't know, a, a lot of them were like, not what I wanted musically. Cause I had listened to a lot of music growing up and I knew what was good and what was not so good, but there was a certain, like, there was a certain feeling I got when I listened back to a song that I had recorded. And I thought to myself, you know, people are really going to appreciate this. So let me just stop obsessing and just put it out. And I'll just explain one more small thing and then, you know, we'll move forward. But I have learned that the certain feeling that I get when a song is worthwhile to put out, and I still get that feeling until, until today. And that's what motivates me to record because there's always something going on in my life. Like my life has been moving and like changing and morphing and growing in so many ways in the last 15 years, more, that as these songs were written, um, you know, music was never, oh, I know what I was gonna say. Music was never like the priority in my life. Music was the hobby, Mm -hmm. but I never lost money singing, writing, performing like many other people do because I did my own work. So if I record my own album, yeah, it doesn't sound like it was recorded in a professional amazing studio, but I can have people hear my music and not have a loss. I can actually, I used to sell so many CDs at concerts. I would make $2,000 singing and make $2,000 selling CDs, just so you understand. And I would do that three nights a week. So. Wow. I was make not always but you know I flew some shluchim gave me you know some peop, some jobs were under you know were I learned a lot of valuable lessons over the years when I went to travel when it's worth it to go for less maybe if you're flying to Alaska you'll take a little less money because you're going to Alaska right <laughs> but but overall in the course of my musical experience I'm not a starving artist I've I've been lucky enough to always succeed, like enough that it was worthwhile for me to keep writing music, playing music, performing music. I'm not chasing a dream. I'm actually living it like I'm doing right. it and it's making sense and it's bringing me joy and it's worth it.
0: That's so great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's no price to pay. I just wanted to take a minute to thank Valerie's Boutique for sponsoring this episode. I myself am a customer of Valerie's and have seen firsthand the quality and beauty of her work. I absolutely love the message of Valerie's brand, which is all about embracing our femininity through utilizing our power as women, our inner strength, edginess, and elegance. In an interesting turn of events, Valerie was actually in school for psychology when the wheels turned and she chose a different path. She was newly married, and although she saw the beauty in religious convictions to cover her hair, she became frustrated at the lack of affordable and comfortable hair covering options. So during a date night with her husband, she went to Michael's, bought her own applique, applied it to a beret and created her own decorative beret. Valerie thought that more people in the community would appreciate it, so she posted it on her personal Instagram account and got her first sale and her business exploded from there. A few years later, Valerie's boutique is known for her beautiful handmade accessories ranging from berets, headscarves with delicate crystal appliqués to headbands and decorative gloves for the winter. Valerie gets tremendous joy when women tell her how her accessories help them feel more confident and beautiful. You can shop her beautiful and affordable accessories designed with women of valor and beauty in mind on her website, valeriesboutique.com, and follow her creative journey on Instagram at valeriesboutique, that is V-A-L-E-R-I-S, boutique.com. You can get 10% off your first order with coupon code CARMELLA10. It's always a price to pay when you put yourself out into the world. And that's what we can talk about if you want. Yeah. I want to talk about that for sure. Um, Cause I was going to say that now you're doing it full time. So let's talk about that because <laughs> being a musician, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are curious about the songwriting process, you know, like the feelings and energies behind the song. So could you talk to me about that and walk me through it? Like what inspires you and get into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. So I could give a TED talk on songwriting. That's the extent of how much I've explored it. Because when you're hired to write a song and somebody gives you a deposit, you need to write that song. Not only do you need to write that song, it needs to be good because songs have to work. They have to make sense. They have to relay a message. And when you have a customer who wants a song or a client or whatever you want to call it or another person, and they're paying you know, a nice amount of money, I had to learn. How to write a good song. Now, when I first started, obviously I was writing for myself. I've always been a decent, you know, fairly decent writer. And most writers know that the trick of the trade is the theosaurus, because if you have a great vocabulary and, you know, you know, a nice, you know, a lot of nice, pretty words, then you can write with flourish. So that is definitely a gift I always had even before I wrote songs. Um. So you have to have some minimal talent to, you know, be good with languages and you have to be able to write fairly well. I don't advise, you know, people who are dyslexic to get into songwriting. It's just not, right. for them. you know, you have to be able to sit and oh, yeah. write and, and yeah. have a head. Now, when I wrote my songs, very often, I'm just thinking now, as I, you know, think back, I generally would sit down by the keyboard and start building the song. Once in a while, like um, a little musical phrase would come into my head and I would think, you know, that's that's gonna be the chorus or those chords are really like hitting the right nerve. I'm gonna see if I could get a melody going. And I feel like I definitely had a knack. Like I just kind of figured out how to build the songs how to keep people, in, people interested in listening to the songs, how to make them catchy, but still fresh so that they're like familiar, but not like, oh, I've heard this a million times before. Right. Um, I loved harmonies. I had, you know, a ton of musical ideas in my head from all the music I had listened to. And I wanted to try that and try this. The most frustrating thing for me has always been, I was not musically trained. So had I been musically trained, it would have been a totally different ballgame. But I wasn't. I had a few guitar lessons. I didn't take piano lessons. I didn't know musical theory. I didn't have audio technicians that I could, you know, I didn't even barely, you could barely, I, I, I used to go on these internet forums and talk to, you know, I hate to say it, but random men in Texas and be like, so how do you connect an XLR? What's the difference between a, this plug and that plug and like wait for them to reply? It was. It was really challenging to to um, create the music. For sure. Yeah. There was no but YouTube then. There was no YouTube then. And when you're not a musician, you don't have the skill you need to express your musical ideas. Like I'm like, I could write a symphony now. I just don't know physically how. Do <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Um, so when I wrote the songs, I just said, I'm going to use the tools that I have. I know that um, harmony is important. It makes songs sound beautiful. I know that... You want to have a soaring chorus so that lifts people into the song. I know that you want to have some very cute and catchy um, elements in the lyrics so that people are amused and people are like, hey, that's good writing. So I used to make an effort to like come up with, you know, when I wrote the song Seize the Day, I was thinking I'm, I'm dreaming of. T- yeah, it, it was like, there's no, there, you know, you'll, you'll find the sweetest fruit on the top of the tree. If they ask you how you know it, say you heard it from me. And I remember thinking, I'm telling my audience that I am telling you, this is my message. Get up to the top of the tree and that's the best apple. Or if the person who climbs up will get that best apple. Um, so I you know, slowly started like thinking about my audience and what maybe they would appreciate from me. And songwriting and performing is always the stance between the performer or the songwriter or the singer and their audience you know it's like a kind of back and forth over the years
0: yeah for sure absolutely okay so we've known each other for a few years now right and i remember when we when we met we spoke about how artists a little bit we kind of touched on this how artists have a little bit of a dark side and you know, knowing you and seeing you on social media, you have such a great sense of humor and you really have light, this light energy. You don't have, um, you know, this like, this heaviness to you that some artists have, you know? Um, so even though your followers and those who don't know you well, you know, see depth in addition to your lightness and humor from your songwriting and from the things that you post and talk about, you know, we've spoken recently about how like many artists, you and inborn musicians, you struggle with having like intense desires, you know, that for that like constant high. That many musicians have and they fall prey to you, unfortunately. So, how do you channel those desires and your art into a positive path and experience for yourself and your children and your family?
1: That was that question was presented so beautifully. You're also a great writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, this is a loaded question, you understand, because it's true that in the world, musicians are troubled souls, almost always, even if they're Mr. Rogers, except Mr. Rogers, because he was just an angel. But most musicians, when you find out more about them, you either like them less or like them more because either they're like really dark and you're like, ew, or they're like, you know, really awesome. So true. usually they're both (laughs) um and this is one of the pitfalls of social media for me at the core i truly believe that musicians and their fans should have a distance because when you're listening to music and you don't know everything about the singer the song can mean more but like when you know the singer it could color how you think about the song and what they're
0: singing. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yes. I've never thought of it that way, but I totally hear that.
1: Yeah. So their mystery behind the person who's singing is part of the appeal. That's why people would go wait online to see a concert, freaking out girls, pulling their hair out because finally you could see the person who you're so connected to their song. Right. And you could see, is it match up? Is that when, and then if they would perform it, it would be amazing. Forget it. So I believe in the mystery, the space between the performer and the audience. That said, I also also have the challenge of it being a modern world, 2020, and that if you don't show up in people's lives on a regular basis, you stop existing. And I'm not ready to stop existing. So not yet anyways, (laughs) I will, I'm running out of steam. That said, I try to do this dance where I, like you said, can make people laugh and show them Israel, which is beautiful. And, you know, just my quirky side a little bit. Who knows I hate to cook, just humor people. And I know I don't believe, I don't, I'm not saying I don't appreciate heavy Instagram. I am not heavy Instagram. I am. You know, when you see my circle, I want you to think, oh, this is going to be something positive. Whatever it is, you know, like, why not? And it helps me because I'm not saying I'm the most positive person in the world, but it helps me because I recognize that that's what my audience hopes I am. Because then they could still enjoy my music. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? That's so. It,
0: yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, so that said there's a the dark side, <laughs> there's always a the dark side. Now, two things are true. One is that most artists um, become artists because they have a certain rebellious quality to them. You have to be a bit of a rebel to be like, I'm gonna perform and you're gonna listen, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna break all the rules. That's why musicians are always breaking rules on stage and breaking guitars and pushing the boundaries because that's what music, um, you know, Performing music does to people, so you have a certain type of person that's attracted to that kind of attention. You have a certain type of person that wants to communicate deep emotion through their songs um and wants other people to help them do it, like you know yeah empires of people making rock stars you know whole you know making them you know who they are so unfortunately people that are rebellious usually, you know, rebel in a lot of different areas in their life. And I think that was always like my experience. So I was definitely a bit of a rebel because I was doing something, especially in the Jewish world, especially in the Hasidic world where girls don't sing for men and a woman's voice shouldn't be heard. And barely seen like you didn't put women's faces on CDs in 1995 it was unheard of so i definitely had that in me but that said the circumstances kind of lined up i was away from home and whatever my life presented me um it was a mix it was a mix of everything that happened in my life and my rebellious personality you know As a result, I, I started my music career, but it definitely, um, wasn't always peaches and cream in my life because of some of the choices I made. That's for sure. Like, again, I don't share these things because I think people have a hint, you know, that there's an edgy side to me. Um, but they're not interested in knowing it and I'm not interested in sharing it. So, you know, w- what <laughs> advantage does it have to anyone? <laughs> so that's why I'm not going to like tell you that, oh, these are my deep, dark struggles, but I'll, but, but I will, exp- but, but what I will express is that we all make choices, right? To, we all make different choices in our life. And the question is, which, One of these choices becomes a defining element of who we actually are. Okay, so I could make the choice to, you know, focus on my struggles with my demons and all that, or I can make the choice and say, Listen, everybody has, you know, to say it simply, a good inclination and a bad inclination. And we all struggle with some really tough choices and we all have dark thoughts and we all want to give up sometimes. And we all, you know, question things around us that maybe other people would be surprised to know, but we don't have to live a life. That's about our struggles. It doesn't have to become the main factor in our lives. Oh, I have this struggle. We have so many things that we, don't struggle with. You know, we live in a modern society. Everyone has hot water. Everyone has computers. Everyone has internet. Everybody has everything, okay? We are as spoiled as it comes. (sighs) We have access to so much beauty. You know, when I go on Instagram in the morning, I don't do Instagram, I mean, I do Instagram and coffee because I tag people, but I do it because I am truly impressed that people persist on sharing beautiful things with uh, with each other because it's so hard to, you know, retain anything anymore. But there are still artists who create because that's what, you know, they feel is important to put out into the universe. And I feel the same way. Like, I, I'm i not saying I don't have my struggles. I'm not saying that I'm not like everyone else. but I choose not to focus on that or make that the focus of my life because being joyful and playing music and connecting with people who are hearing my music and being an inspiration, like it's so lame, but like inspiring people to feel certain things, like it's so much more enjoyable than talking about, oh, you know, I really feel depressed today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that I makes love sense. that. Totally. I love how you focus on the positive. And I think that's, that's really the secret to to like just enjoying life and and like having that lightness you know what i mean because when you start focusing on the heavy stuff then that's when you kind of start feeling the heavy stuff you know it's like what you focus on that like the law of attraction you know whatever you focus on that comes to you
1: yeah i have the the mazel or the luck to be married to a sephardic man who worries for the both of us um he could be busy you know um it life is hard we have you know we have all the challenges that everyone else has um and i always have I all, i've always had the same challenges that most people have but i do have so many advantages i mean i could list them if you really want but when i you know when i think oh people um people compare on instagram and it's like it's tough i just think to myself well i have advantages and I'm going to use them as a gift from Hashem. So it might be challenging for people to balance Instagram and music and kids and life, but like, I have the capacity to do it and do it well. So yeah. So why wouldn't I, you know? Yeah, for sure. I've said this before and I feel like this is something I would love to express to anyone listening. If I had one message okay to convey surprisingly besides all the other messages of my songs whatever they might be it's this some people are more capable than others not because they're superior but because they have they're lucky enough to have the tools that they need to make things work so on the one hand you could say oh they're just trying to you know you know, make me feel bad that I'm not as capable. And then, you know, you go feel sorry for yourself, but you have to be realistic. You have a set of skills, or we all have a set of skills that allows us to do certain things that other people can't, you know, I can't take care of a child with special needs. I can't, I, I, I don't, I've never had that experience and you have had that experience. So Everyone has to just remind themselves that if they see me singing and playing and recording and Instagramming and running and traveling, whatever, am I doing a lot of those things? Yes. Is Instagram exactly real life? No, but I could do it and I have everything I need. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well. And hopefully people will enjoy it.
0: For sure. Yeah. By the way, how does it feel? Knowing that you've inspired so many women with your music. Like is it weird for you that people know you, but you don't know them. You have to
1: hear the funniest story <laughs> You gotta hear the funny story. So today somebody re-shared my Turachima Balban video. I put out a video now before the high holiday, the high holidays. And um someone shared it and she wrote, Oh, I love this. Okay, it's fantastic. So I messaged her, thank you so much for sharing it so sweet. She goes, Yeah, I just moved to Beit Chemish. So I said we're in HMS. So she said, from HMS. I said, so cool. Me too. What block? So she goes in Getty. I'm like, that's cool. We're probably neighbors. So she goes, what's your address? I say 44. She's like, I'm 42. Like I just moved in downstairs. <laughs> so this, that's amazing. She, yeah, she lives in my parking lot, like in, uh, another apartment down. Um, so my first thought was like, oh, okay. So now I crossed over from being Hanal on Instagram, the singer that she grew up listening to. She's like, I listen to your music, to being someone's neighbor. And that's like real life. <laughs> right. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So when you say, how do you feel um, being an inspiration to so many women? I don't think about it. Like, I don't think I'm an inspiration to so many women. I think that I am, again, lucky enough to be able to get my music heard. I think that I worked hard so that, you know, I should accomplish that. And I think that I am lucky that I have all the successful components. You know, luckily I grew up in just, you know, I grew up in a just religious enough background that I know how to inspire people. I'm lucky that my husband gives me hours to record. I'm lucky that I moved to Israel and I have a great iPhone. All these things are like, you know, I'm lucky that my kids allow me to, to you know, whatever it is. So the fact that it inspires people, that's Hashem's decision. That's God's idea. God's like, I'm going to give her, you know, the opportunity to let people hear her songs. And whatever happens to them once they leave my studio, it's between God and the person listening. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I know that I know that your husband is, is like your biggest fan. I remember talking to him a few years ago when he was like going on and on. And I was like, okay, this is Angela's husband is just <laughs> her biggest fan. It was so cute. So how do you work on achieving that artist high that comes from performing on stage? You know, like the adrenaline and everything that comes with performing in your day-to-day life.
1: Okay, that's a very good question. Um, there is definitely an artist high. I felt many times like the word is exhilarated after a performance, whether I had done such a terrific job or not, whether the audience was huge or not, it's just that feeling you get when you know that you delivered the goods and that you moved people and that you had a good time and you made money and you like increased your audience and like it was exactly what you wanted, you leave feeling really empowered. For sure. Yeah. You leave feeling very empowered. I loved, you know, the experience of performing. Um, I never had to search for the high. I feel like I was lucky enough to perform often enough. As a matter of fact, I used to tell people that it's like having a wedding because you're a bride and everyone's giving you the attention. You're the center of attention. So, you know, when girls say, oh, my wedding day, I'm like, that wasn't the highlight of my life because all these great concerts were the highlights, you know, like all these amazing highlights. So that brought a lot of joy into my life, actually performing and that high. it's And it's a, such a pure high when you're singing meaningful music. Like when you're singing music that truly moves people and talks about important things. And, you know, when people make, you know, are emotional and and and, you know, leave changed a little bit from what you sang to them, it's just a very, you know, unique feeling. For sure. Um, but so is having kids, and so is moving to Israel, and so is deciding that you know I want to play piano at the ripe old age of thirty something. So I taught myself to play. Oh wow, good for uh, you! Yeah, I always take on challenges and projects that will produce that feeling, that satisfaction, that like, you know, and that's part of Instagram because Instagram every single person using it is about the instant high like it's no secret you're only as popular and happy as your last successful post i mean let's not kid ourselves so instagram is a very tricky place for me honestly a performer always craves an audience but you have to be really careful because anyone who has a full-time audience can find themselves changing and not not always in a good way because a lot of people get like drunk on adoration and on, you know, the numbers, the Instagram numbers and the popularity and the influence, like these are all very loaded words. So it's a perfect environment for an artist to fall into um, and get caught up like in fake, you know, self-esteem issues and, all the pitfalls of social media. For sure. um, Yeah. So I, you know, I, what's the word? I tiptoe on Instagram. I think before I post, not just for what I'm posting, but do I need to post? Why am I posting now? What do I need to convey? Am I really doing it because I'm trying to, um, you know, forward my musical message or my long-term Instagram goals or am I doing it because I need like a quick fix and I just want to share something cute and have a few people laugh or whatever. So I'm always like in that situation, I could story all day. I literally, everything could be a story to me because I'm a storyteller. Right. But at some point, yeah, at some point I'm just like, Hey, hold up. Nobody needs to hear from another human being all day. I don't care who they are. Instagram is garbage, like shut it off and stop hearing from other people. You don't need to hear from anyone the entire day. It's ridiculous, but we're all doing it. So, you know, I try to I try to um, take it easy, but then I have this challenging side that because I'm competitive, which I am, and because I wanna succeed and be the best, which I do, you gotta play the game, you know, you gotta have a thing going. You need a big, you know, you need followers, you need an audience, an audience brings an audience, and whatever my Instagram goals are, um, you have to grow. So um for now, and this is really, you know, not necessarily long term. For now, I'm playing the game. I am enjoying it, I do it cautiously, I bring joy, I make an effort to bring like, you know, to, to give something to my audience. I went to Kibbutz Ruchel. I collected so many names. I couldn't even finish saying them. I, you know, show people Israel. And I take, a, I take the time to give them a little history and a little background and help them develop feelings towards Israel. Like I feel like I'm providing something that's
0: not there. So, right.
1: you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm doing it. You
0: kind of like, you spoke about your personal take in terms of how you, Treat social media, but I would love to hear just your opinion in general about on social so- media. Yeah, I, I know you, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, just in general. I do. I do. <laughs> okay, so I, I do have a lot
1: to say about social media, and I'm more than happy to say it because this is not personal, but it is my personal opinion. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Um, It's very tricky because, on the one hand, we are all wired, and especially now during this crazy time. We can't even get together. We're discouraged. We're encouraged to be connected digitally. Like let's not kid ourselves. Everybody's talking to everybody on screens and social media is just where it's at. Okay. So I recognize that. And as somebody in like, I would say show business in quotes, um, you know, I, I want to be part of it. However, I think fundamentally as human beings, social media is just not necessary. I don't think we need to be exposed to so many opinions. I don't think we need to be exposed to so many people's ideas, so many people's pains, every tragedy we have to feel, You know, every Mazel Tov we have to contribute to, there's babies being born on Instagram and then you feel guilty, I didn't say congratulations. Like we don't have to know about every single birth that ever took place on the planet. It's not realistic, you know what I mean? We don't have to attend so many Zooms, bar mitzvahs because I mean, well, people travel, you know, for for parties and for what's the word? Um, Celebrations. Yeah, like celebrations and weddings. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying now it's like every single interaction has to involve other people and, you know, that are in a circle much wider than our neighbors and our kids and our husband and that's it. It's like so, so much. And it's the internet. It never ends. I could follow 5,000 people and people do. So I'm just talking about the part where people are participating and watching this constant stream of, I hate to say it, nonsense. Now, there are the people who make a living selling things on Instagram. Those are the influencers. The influencers gather as many followers as possible and they try to like play this game where like me and like the stuff that I'm selling and then I'll be able to make a living. Now, you can't ever um, criticize someone for trying to make uh, a, a a kosher living. Like it, it's totally commendable that women are running businesses from their phones and they're doing a great job. I mean, I'm actually... Going to start interviewing, quote unquote. I have this thing called Five Questions Live, where I want to pick people's brains and know what Instagram does to them. And those are pretty much, you know, most of the five questions that I ask. And I should get inter- interesting answers because it's obviously something yeah, I totally. about it a lot. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I don't think Instagram is necessary. I just think it's not necessary. However, however. We are in a society where if you shut off your social media, you cease to exist and you cease to know what's going on. Like you have to be with the program. So I'm glad that there is this thriving culture on social media of female singers and female entertainers and girls who could just share whatever they want and have people follow them. And if they like it, they could follow. And if they don't like it, they could unfollow and good for them and good for all the joyful Instagrammers that make me happy when I tap on their stories. Like, I appreciate these girls. I really do. Um, You know, when you have 50,000 followers and you're always giving a positive message, you have a calling. Like, there's a lot of people that depend on you to make them happy. So I respect that side of social media. I just... I hate that it's also fleeting. I hate that we work so hard to share things and it just gets buried so quickly because there's so much content
0: out there. going on.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like people's efforts. You know, you in my world, you make a music video and it lasts 24 hours and then it disappears. In your world, you can do a whole photo shoot. And like, if it's a bad day of the totally. week, your post won't get enough likes and then you feel like a failure. And it's like, what? Totally. Like what, yeah. Right? So- the fact that you make beautiful lipsticks and I'm enjoying them, like I have no complaints about them. I'm thrilled about every, and I don't, uh, honestly, like I was a little worried, like, oh no, I'm going to have to wear these and now they're, and they're all
0: perfect. So. <laughs> because you're a real so lipstick girl. So you're just, yeah. I am. So
1: you, you contributed something into the world and you continue to that, you know, makes people feel happy. And that's a wonderful thing to do with social media. But if you're using social media to fill a hole inside you, a hole that makes you feel empty, a hole that makes you feel lonely, a hole that makes you feel like you need validation, um, a hole that makes you feel maybe like you need love and that if you present yourself in the way that you think, people should perceive you. You'll get that love and then you'll feel good about yourself. And then you'll go back to your real life and you'll be not so wonderful and the people around you won't be so happy. But you could always run back to Instagram and fill that hole again. So you have to know who you are and you have to know why you're doing it. And that's the question I want to ask people. Why?
0: Yeah, no, that's so true. It's interesting that you say that because I make sure before I post something, I think to myself, why am I doing this? Like, what is this post going to do for other people? How are people going to get inspired or learn, or are they going to learn anything from it? And I think that's like really the key.
1: No, I was just going to say that's why your posts are engaging.
0: Thanks. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, Although sometimes I think that maybe I should be sharing more personal things
1: that's the trap that everyone falls into because when you are using social media you connect always with people of flesh and blood and you want to meet new people so that you could gauge if you are normal or you could just you know watch other human beings we're fascinating we're fascinating uh, um you know Hashem or God or however whatever you believe human beings are amazing amazing creatures I mean we were made in the in the image of God God made us physically we came from dust we returned to dust our brains our scientists don't have a clue how they work you know um we're, we're we're only the the amount of scientific discoveries that human beings have been able to create I mean we're chatting from across the world now in real time and like we're told it's you know I mean human beings are amazing so I understand the fascination with each other. I just think that you have to be very clear with your boundaries, with your standards and with your time. So if you have good boundaries and you have high standards and you don't, you know, waste other people's time, like your kids and your husband, then you can use social media. But if it's all a blur, then you're probably not in a good place.
0: Right. I agree with you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like and you, I'm sure you see the same thing, that sometimes people post things that are really a little bit like TMI. You know what I mean? Alarming. <laughs> it's a alar- lot. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny because one of my friends like gives such a great analogy. She said, it's like, if your house is a total mess and you're in the middle of like taking care of things and everything's just like, uh, just, just gross and garbage all over, you're not going to invite guests over. You won't allow them into your house. You have to think of that, of Instagram the same way. Like we don't have to see your garbage right? We just, just. I know, but we
1: live, we live in the me, me, me society where everyone needs to be validated. So God forbid someone should be home and feel like life is so hard and so boring and they should just suck it up. And you know, yeah, life can be hard and boring, but sometimes life is awesome. So you don't have to get that gratification on social media where people say, oh, my house is also a mess. Oh, you're so awesome anyway. Oh, thank you so much for sharing because now I feel like I'm okay. Like We don't need a validation. What we need is to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, life is hard. My job on this world is to deal with this crap. <laughs> and later when things are a little more joyful, I can story and share joy. If that would be the case, if more people would do that, um, we'd have much less, or Instagram wouldn't be so heavy. You know, some people's accounts are really heavy, like you said. It's a good word. So, again, like people are not giving it enough thought. It's just instant,
0: right? Right, and it's funny because they forget that. I mean, I hope that you have friends and you have fa- like talk to your friends about it if you, if you want to well, share. Well, some, some
1: people don't have. Well, some some people don't have a great social life whatever the circumstances are it helps people from far distances connect um i can appreciate that it is a valid social life if you're engaged with meaningful people like you and i let's say um but there's nothing like the real relationships in your life the flesh and blood ones and those are the harder ones and those are the ones that you have to work harder at but usually those are the ones that will give you more satisfaction than anything you're going to get from social media
0: Right, right. No, so I was referring to the kind of showing the garbage types of things that you could talk to your friends about instead of posting that. Like you could connect, use social media to connect to other people, you know, like like you just mentioned. But I think when it comes to searching, the, like the dirt or stuff, and you know what I mean, that's when you should you be utilizing your authentic. Hundred
1: percent. So let's. So so you're you wanted to understand like where the dark side is. The dark side is when I picked up the phone the other day and I called a friend here in Israel on the phone. (laughs) And I said, Tova, the Zoom is a disaster. I hate that my kids are home. When is school starting? Why is this taking so long? And she was like, oh, I'm so pregnant. And uh, and my kids are driving me crazy. And my stepson is here. and And we had a moment where we could just Complain, you know? Right. I would not put that on social media because what would I get in return? I would get a bunch of people saying, oh, it's so hard. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then what would I do with that? Like, how would that help me? Right. But when you to went into a person who could relate, you know, a friend, number one, I didn't subject more people to my hardship. Number two, I didn't, um you know, I, let, I kept a private breakdown private. I was able to express it just not to the whole world for 24 hours. Um, And it made me feel better. And then I was able to like get back to myself and story something positive a couple hours later.
0: Right, and that's, yeah, that's so healthy. That's the way it should be. Don't get me wrong. I make
1: mistakes and I erase things sometimes. And um, I'm not necessarily navigating it 100% to the book or to the letter of the law. I guess if I had a paid psychologist, maybe they'd be like get offline. But at this point, um, the fact that I'm thinking about it so consciously is, you know, it's a good step for me.
0: For sure. That's, by the way, I think that's like so important with everything in life. Like just thinking about it, being conscious of why you're doing something, what you're doing is the best way to prevent, I don't know, like just regrets, I guess, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, that's all these podcasts, you know, these girls on Instagram, they're they're psychologists and there's therapists and there's you know, and that's the general message. The general message is eat consciously, exercise consciously, meditate consciously, be a conscious parent. So be a conscious Instagrammer, be a conscious, you know, social media account holder, be a conscious influence, you know, whatever the word is, influencer, because if it takes up so much time in your life and you, and it's you, you're, you know, you put so much of yourself into it. Shouldn't it reflect your values? And are your values that you just Instagram, whatever the heck you feel like saying because you're having a bad day, is that your values? Maybe that's your values, but if it's not your values, then why are you doing it? Because everyone else is doing it? Right. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) so true. By the way, what do you think of, what's your opinion on this whole like no makeup and like keeping it real sort of stuff that are going around?
1: No, I have an opinion on that too. (laughs) I actually did, well, I actually did a story on that that I thought was, was, you know, got the message across. I'm seeing everybody hashtag no filter and women are not wearing their makeup now. Again, when your makeup is off, it's not when you invite guests over. That doesn't mean that you don't look beautiful to your husband. That doesn't mean that you don't look beautiful to your kids. It doesn't mean that you're not beautiful. It just means that your face to the world is not on. Right. We're women. We wear makeup. It's a, that's just part of our society. So the no filter thing. Was kind, and then you know the secular world that's been done before no makeup on people magazine or whatever but instagram is like letting people open up your like opening up your bedroom window and letting people peek inside and then you close it and then you open it and then you close it and then you open it and you just let people peek in whenever and why can't you control the message why do i have to let you see me without makeup because that's what you think would be fun or like what am i relaying here I open the window when I feel like I want to present myself, when I feel beautiful, when I feel, you know, I'm not going to story like when I feel gross, because why would I want the world to perceive me like that? So my message in my cute little Instagram story is I used a whole bunch of filters over the top one. Oh, I thought that. Okay. <laughs> right. And I expressed to people like, you can do whatever you want. Um, I still wore lipstick. I wore a few different color tichels. I wanted to show you could do things beautifully and they should be, should be done beautifully. It's Instagram. It's not a funeral home, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, there's no, I don't even think there's necessarily, and this is controversial, but like an element of sneeze or modesty to that. People might think it's more modest to show their face without makeup. It's so revealing. It's so personal, especially in the religious world where we hide so much from the world. Like we cover our hair and we cover our elbows. Like suddenly we're uncovering our face. Like look at my, I just, I don't see, I don't get it. Now, maybe it makes people feel good about themselves because they see celebrities and they're like, oh, they're not wearing so much makeup. Who are we kidding? Everyone knows that it's a filter. <laughs> Everyone knows that it's makeup. Like get over it. Totally. It's no <laughs> business, you know? So that's how I feel about um hashtag no filter. <laughs> hashtag
0: yes right? do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I love your honesty. Yeah. No, I love um, it. It's true. No, I agree with you. I feel the same way. But it's funny because I actually must have been like a year and a half ago, did a whole story sequence on Photoshop and why we use it. Yeah. Um, cause that because that was I, the question then too. Right. It was. And then I feel like everyone knows we're using Photoshop. And who says that? the reason why is to make someone look prettier. Maybe it's just to make them look for themselves because the camera picks up every single thing and and distorts you sometimes. You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Listen, life is all smoke and mirrors, especially show business. So,
1: you know, we're not not looking for raw. If I wanted raw, I would get a dog. <laughs> I'm looking for glamor, okay? Like, I'm a, you know what I mean? Yeah, So totally. So, you know, I support, and I always did, and I think this was part, this is, this is for my musical, you know, people interested in my musical career. One of the things that I learned successfully from the beginning was that, no, I'm not fancy, I'm not putting on a gown for a performance, but I am gonna bring the visual part to the performance. I'm gonna wear the sequins, and I'm going to wear the curly shaytall. I'm going to wear the lipstick. I'm going to wear the jewelry. I'm going to wear the cool boots. And I'm going to, as you know, as much as was reasonable. And I'm going to, um, you know, convey something with how I'm looking. And I'm going to relate to the audience that I take them seriously, and I don't take them for granted. And I'm, I want them to see something pretty. I want no, you know, an audience that pays to see a show and the singer's like, I'm going in my pajamas. I'm going to sing in my wants to see you in your pajamas. They want to see you looking great, you know, and social media is the same way. Like nobody wants to see you at your worst. If you're you know, we all struggle, but put your best foot forward. And if not, you don't have to you don't have to story. So I always, you know, even when I do a little Kumzitz video like I did this week where I just sang a song with a girl in the studio, I'm like, I put my makeup, my shatel, my wig, my sequins, like I'm going to look like a star because there's no there's no shame in that.
0: For sure, yeah, totally. By the way, is there a reason why you don't post your kids on social media? I just realized.
1: Yeah, um, a few reasons. And I have an opinion on this too. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I know that we all have adorable kids and I know that kids say the cutest things. And I know that kids look adorable in their pajamas. And I know that kids look adorable all the time and there's such cute material for stories but it is such a it is such an infringement on your kids privacy and on other people's interests because nobody wants to see your kids I don't care how cute your kids are there's a million cat videos on Instagram you can watch Unlimited cats, the cutest, it'll make you adopt a cat and Israel's full of creepy cats, (laughs) believe me. Doesn't mean you need to watch cat videos. So when you have kids on Instagram, it's cute for kitty chic, it's cute for certain gimmicky things, fine. But nobody wants to see your kids because you have your own kids. And if you don't have kids, you certainly don't want to see someone else's kids because it's like, I want my own or I don't like kids at all. Right. (laughs) Um, Number two, kids on Instagram for me doesn't mix because- has nothing to do with what I'm selling here. I'm selling Israel and I'm selling music. And I say, when I say selling, I mean, like watch it. You know, I'm selling what I'm, you know it's not money selling, I'm just, so where do my kids fall into this? And what advantage do my kids have from more people seeing them? And what advantage does my audience have from seeing my kids? None. So why even bother? Right. I'm not saying my kids are not cute. Besides the fact that my husband told me already a long time ago, absolutely not. So that's just, you know,
0: <laughs> it yeah. works perfectly. Right. It's funny because you happen to be one of those, you're one of those influencers who do such a great job of having a good balance of your personal life versus um, your professional life and not, and even when you show your, your personal life, it's to an extent, like you have great boundaries. You
1: don't- I'm glad that you appreciate that because sometimes I feel like, oh, I overshare, overshare. Really? <laughs>
0: you no know, Yeah, because
1: when you, anytime you post something, you're sharing your thoughts and at the core of the, the issue, and I think this, you're going to, I don't know if a lot of people have realized this, when you watch an Instagrammer and suddenly you feel like you're over them, it's because they've shared too much of their thoughts. And at some point you're like, I'm tired of hearing someone else's thoughts. Now, every time you story, or depends, I'm not saying when you story address, but like, anytime I share a little 15 second video clip, I'm conveying something, whether I'm talking to Olaf, whether I'm using a magic eight ball, whether I'm showing you a map, whether I'm showing you my studio, everything is, you know, with a plan. And I sometimes think, okay, what am I, and then sometimes I feel in my face. And the reason I feel in my face, it's conscious because people are connected to me and they want to be reminded of the person that's providing them this constant stream of, you know, thoughts. So I, you know, I just ask myself, why does anyone need to know what you're thinking now? It's okay to have a great, brilliant thought or see a great interesting thing and have a thought about it and not actually make a story out of it. Now, obviously I want a story about it because it's content, but um, you know, everything is measured. So I, Definitely don't overshare, like you said. But you know, Instagram is what it is. People want it to feel personal. They want to feel like they're letting you in. They want to feel like if they watch you, they know things about you that other people don't know. So again, it's a balance, but it takes, you know, it takes some thought. But again, I think that if I think about it, maybe I'll make a good maybe I'll make good choices on social media. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. You know, people have been interested in my music for years. So they continue to be interested in my music. And it gives me an opportunity to just have a social life. You know, it's definitely, a, sure. it's called social media because you end up talking to people and meeting people and having lives with people and doing podcasts. It's, you know, it's interaction. And I like that. In my pajamas, sure. what could be better? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think also people love, like, they're entertained by you because at your core, you're an entertainer. So not only with, when it comes to music, also like your personality. It's funny to watch <laughs>
1: For sure. For sure. I I value people's time and I value um, those stupid 15 seconds that I get to communicate something. And I want it to be fun and I want it to be entertaining. And I challenge myself because, you know, every time I think for a few seconds, like, how am I going to present this? How's it going to be consistent with my theme and blah, blah, you know, whatever um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and sometimes you know it's awesome and sometimes I want to delete my account
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there kind a lot trust me
1: yes oh good to know it's not only me I think I almost <laughs> deleted it twice maybe more
0: no seriously if it wasn't for business and you know like what you were saying before I don't think I would have an Instagram
1: really that's a pretty big deal that's a pretty
0: big deal and the reason why I have my personal Instagram. Originally was to my just the chami tea was originally because my sem, to keep touch with seminary friends know what was going on, and now it opens it. It's not public. It's not private anymore. Sorry, because I know people want to see more personal stuff, which I'm not going to post on my public page. That's the only oh, you have reason. your
1: own page. Right, right, right. You have an, you're in the chami. I'm like you have a private page. Yes, yeah, so I have a private page. Right. So that's the way to do it. If you're in business, hundred percent. I mean, the truth is, I don't know. That's the way to do it. Everyone could do it their own way. (laughs) And I just want to reiterate. I just really want to reiterate. I am so impressed with the Jewish community and with women at large because there are so many incredible Instagram accounts that do amazing things that raise money, that help people make transformational changes in their life, that get people products that they, they could never have gotten before, that provide invaluable services, that, you know, delicious, the most amazing birthday cakes, whatever your heart desires, every type of artistic creation is available to you because people are putting out their content. And it's incredible. It's, inspiring, it's amazing to watch it really is amazing to watch and i'm you know like proud to be part of it you know i'm contributing something positive into the world and um i think that that says a lot about our community that people are enjoying it
0: absolutely yeah i totally agree it's true you're so agreeable (laughs) (laughs) well that's why i had you on this podcast because i agree with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, like life. We have to argue about something before we stop. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just ask you to end off with two more questions. So okay. first of all, who are your female role models?
1: I respect my, my grandmother. I think she's an incredible person. Um, I respect a lot of people. I respect most people because most people have such amazing qualities. I mean, I'm blown away. Let me tell you something. I might be very capable in many ways, but there's so many things that I don't do that that other people do. You not No one ever says, oh my gosh, you should see the meals that Hanala sends to new mothers. No <laughs> one says that. No <laughs> one's like, you should see the cake she sent to Khaim, or she stood online for 10 hours packing Shalach Manas boxes, or she was the first mother at PTA. That's not me. You know, that's a lot of other incredible people. So, you know, I don't like to say there's a price you pay because it's not the price I pay. But it's a, um, it's the reality that I accept that I have a lot of shortcomings and those are not the things that are making me famous. So there's, you know, I'll just struggle with them in my own little life or work on them. Um, But my, you know, I'm like everybody else. It's just in the singing entertainment realm, I am successful, but that doesn't mean like, so as far as inspiring women go, people who try, people who do things that they can do, people that contribute in ways that they could contribute and people that, you know, create and do things for the right reasons. Those are the people that I get inspired from. And a lot of people of those girls are following me and I follow them back. So yeah, That's of course, I love. mother yeah. and my mother-in-law, but you know, a little bit from everybody, nobody's perfect. I don't have role models, like just appreciate different things. And I try to stay inspired.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. So this is something that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast. So what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? The American election,
1: (laughs) 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 COVID-19. Well, I don't know if women will ever not struggle. I think that the, I think that the trick to, successfully navigating life struggles is to accept that there're struggles so i don't think life should be free of challenging situations and i don't think women will ever be free of challenging situations just giving birth which is the most basic thing that women do is so challenging just raising kids is so challenging just being married and being a you know you know having to shave your legs every day like all these things it's challenging to floss whatever It's challenging to be a human and it's definitely challenging to be a woman. That doesn't mean that it's not without its advantages. We have a lot of advantages. You know, generally we can get married to nice people who take care of us. We get love from our children. We have supportive sisters who, you know, help us in our dark times. We have a lot of advantages as women. And um, I think that no matter what life brings you know, the world, women have always managed to pull through. Like, this is the message of the Jewish people. The women always dealt with the struggles, whether it was in the darkest time in Egypt, whether it was, you know, when 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 they, I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, all the trials and tribulations of Jewish history, you know, hair-raising things that the Jews experienced, uh, it was always the women who... Kept the morale and, you know, really stayed inspired. So, what I'm trying to say in short, I don't think that women and girls will ever not struggle. I just hope that in the future, people can appreciate a little bit more the struggles that maybe previous generations had because life is getting easier and that a lot of these struggles that we actually have are in our heads. So if we could just break away from the psychological bubble that is social media for a little bit, I think a lot of our emotional and psychological issues would be abated or would be, you know, would diminish. So I hope that in the future, we're not still caught up into this, you know, vacuum cleaner world of our phones that's you know the way it sucks you in and we can live and appreciate that we are women and appreciate that God gave us these struggles because we're cut out to do it and it makes us stronger and we feel better about ourselves when we accomplish things and we also feel better about ourselves when we have these struggles because we know you know what no one is going to get me through this except me So I have to do it for me. And when you do it for you, you feel really good because you're like, hey, pat myself on the back, you know. So my wish for the future generation is that they accept their struggles. Obviously, they shouldn't be COVID-19 or the American election. (laughs) But um, if you accept them with grace, that you should be able to cope.
0: I mean. Yeah, (laughs) that's such a great answer. Khanna, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was so fun having you. It was my
1: pleasure. It really was. And um, I am just glad to see this come full circle because you bought my first lipstick with me. Like you literally schlepped me to the mall and you're like, we are buying you a lipstick. And I bought that lipstick and I think I'm still wearing it. It was Mac and it was Color Fresco. It was discontinued years later. Lipstick was discontinued really? later and they just stopped making it. I remember thinking, how could you do that to a woman? Like take her favorite lipstick and just stop. And I literally could never find that shade. Wait, send the color. It, so I, it was called Fresco. It was an old Mac lipstick, but it was like the perfect orangey berry color. And you're probably the combination of one of your, one or two of your lipsticks would, would get it right. But whatever, you brought me, you got me that lipstick. You made me feel really cool. And
0: look at you now, I'm wearing your lipstick.